amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week on The Big Show, we got love on our mind. And we'll talk to the stars of the romantic drama, The Photograph, Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield, and talk about our favorite black love stories on film. Also this weekend is the launch of National Black Movie Day, and we'll meet the founder, Agnes Moss. Plus, we'll have movie news and reviews of the latest films, including Downhill, the aforementioned The Photograph, and Who Killed Malcolm X, all on the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Phil Gordon. Let's go. Experience life through the eyes of a true film addict. Keeping it real. This week's episode of The Big Show, Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I am Tim Gordon. Coming up later today, as you heard in our opening, we have three uh, projects that need to be reviewed today. Two that are in theaters. One that is on a streaming service that I really like a lot, which is Netflix. Of course, Who Killed Malcolm X? That dropped last weekend. I did not get a chance to review it then, but I had a chance to watch it all weekend, and I got lots to say about that one. Uh, Downhill, a remake of Force Majeure, is also in theaters this week. And uh, Old School Love Returns with the photograph. So we'll also talk to its stars, uh, Issa Rae and Lakeith Stansfield, also later in the show. And we will also feature National Black Movie Day is today. And we will also talk to the founder of National Black Love Day, and that is Miss Agnes Moss. So she will be along as well. Wilson Morales will join us momentarily to update us on what's going on in film. But before we get to Wilson... Um, I wanted to do a small in in memoriam, I should say, for uh, an actress whose work I watched as a kid and all through my teen and uh, young adult years, Miss Paula Kelly, uh, passed away last week. And um, I wrote a post about it, which I'm going to read what I wrote because I thought what I wrote kind of encapsulated her career in a nutshell. 
I said, we remember actress and dancer Paula Kelly, who passed uh, at the, you know, passed. Uh, with a career spanning 30 years, Kelly excelled on stage, television, and the big screen, giving memorable, dramatic, as well as comedic performances, often displaying more depth than her characters intended. Kelly co-starred in a series of groundbreaking films, including Sweet Charity, Trouble Man, Soylent Green, The Spook Who Set By The Door, Uptown Saturday Night, and JoJo Dancing, Your Life Is Calling. Kelly was 76 years old. Kelly, uh, one of my favorite clips, because there were several clips that I tried to post over the weekend, and I just decided that I would just go with one. And it was from Uptown Saturday Night, uh, where she plays the wife of the, the local councilman played by Roscoe Lee Brown. And there's a scene, if you go on and you can check it out online, that both Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby had been in a club called Zenobius. And in Zenobias, they had a winning lottery ticket in a wallet that gets robbed uh, by Calvin Lockhart and his crew. And they come to their local councilman to complain to try to get their wallet back. And in the middle of the meeting that between Roscoe Lee Brown, Bill, Bill Cosby, and Sidney Poitier, in comes Paula Kelly, who we now know it was not just at Madame Zenobia's hanging out, but is also married to this councilman. And she's kind of telling them in a very urban way, I will use that phrase, about how much fun she had at Madame Zenobia's and her uptight husband. It is hilarious, man. I kept watching it over and over. And this woman, man, has so much range in all of her work, man. So Paula Kelly, who a lot of people may not be familiar with, um, you know, she was also in Oprah Winfrey's uh, The Women of Brewster's Place. Um, just a phenomenal character actress, man, who maybe it, maybe never was the star star in these movies, but always provided amazing support. Gone at 76 years old. And with that being said, we're going to go to New York now. I'm going to bring on my friend and colleague, Mr. Wilson Morales from BlackFilm.com. Wilson, welcome to the show, man. Hey, welcome. Good to be on. Sir, I, I wanted to talk to you so bad this week, man, because uh, 50 Cent is balling right now. I mean, this guy, uh, we saw the the end of one show that he executive produced in power and then the beginning of a second show that he has on ABC called For Life and the announcement of four or five more books in the power universe, man. Talk to me about at least what you're figuring out or understanding about how, the, how 50 Cent continues to evolve and is becoming a major figure in the entertainment game right now. Well, power shows that he can bring on good content if you let it fester. You know, no theories. Well, I won't say no theories, but, you know, power grew in time. I think when they went from Saturday to Sunday and then from Sunday to on demand and, they, you know, its audience grew and, you know, uh, they, you know, they're giving him another shot. And this time he's, he's now going to bring a series to ABC Networks, you know, which is different from cable. So he's got a new series called For Life. So hopefully that can do well. And then because of power, you know, they've announced four more, three spinoffs and a prequel somewhat in mm -hmm. a way, I think it is. So we're going to, you know, we're, we haven't seen the last of power characters. And so he, you know, he's been thriving for years and, you know, he's doing it right now. You know, we haven't heard so much on the, on the music level, but on the executive level, 
50 Cent is one of the up. He's one of the, the few blacks up there. Now, I got a chance to watch For Life, and I love the concept going in because I was trying to figure out how is this, this prisoner or this guy who's locked down in court representing others, and, and within the first five minutes, they kind of lay out the story, which is based on a true story, I may add. And I thought that the opening episode was was really strong and gave it was served as a nice foundation, Wilson, of getting you to understand that this, you know, uh, putting all of the pieces on the on the chessboard and you starting to understand how he's going to move in this world. I thought it was a really good start. I mean, did you get an opportunity to watch it? What did you think? What like I said. The first episode is pretty good. Obviously, the pilot is what sold it to ABC and gets it on air. Now it's a question of an audience tuning in. You know, with the exception of a few shows on networks, and I'm talking about ABC, Fox, and NBC, you know, uh, unless it's procedural, you know, some of these shows that come in mid-season don't come back, you know. So I'm hoping audience can keep talking about it. The market, The marketing is there for the show so people can – tune in week after week, you know, I think because of all these streaming channels, people are so used to getting things all at once right. as opposed to letting it fester. But 50, hey, he, he created a sensational power week after week on cable. Now let's see if he can create that on a network TV. Well, you know, man, I, I really think that you're, you're absolutely right that, that there's so many different choices right now, Wilson, with so many different channels. You know, we talk about the streaming services, the major networks, the cables, uh, cable channels. There's just so many different ways to to uh, to get content these days. So there are shows that I think are good that sometimes fall between the cracks. But I think uh, 50 Cent is really good, <laughs> a really good marketer. And I think that even if the show hits a lull, he'll probably find some way, either through social media, through whatever he's got to do, to keep people focused on project that he, projects that he's working with. And having said that, I saw the finale of Power and was, like, super shocked at the end, at the post-credit sequence, which served as kind of a, kind of a prequel to who these characters were, which I thought was a, a great idea. And then the introduction of the next four books of power. And I was like, wow. Okay. Cause I only thought we were going to have, you know, ghosts, which would have been like book two. And now we find out about book three, book four and book five. And also I think you covered it as well earlier this week that many of the characters aren't going away. You know, uh, Tommy comes back in one of the books. Um, uh, what, what is, uh, Whoa, that's Wilson. Uh, Natari Naughton oh, comes back in one of the books. And, of course, Tariq, uh, who, I, who I will say I absolutely despise the way that character was written and kind of how he, you know, that whole thing. I, I, it really left a super bad taste in my mouth. But, yes, he's back in book two. So, yes, Wilson, you're right. Uh, you know, they had the hashtag power never ends, and apparently not. Because I'm sure if, if these next five books – uh, work out well. I can, I don't see why you can't have power book six, seven, eight, and nine. Why not? Hey, you know, like I said, they're all going to come in time. Tommy, Tommy's having his own series. You know, Lorenz Tate will have his own series. So we'll see. You know, it's, it's, it's more opportunity for black actors and black directors, hopefully, you know, to get more work. Uh, you know, TV is certainly the platform where new discoveries are made, 
you know, as opposed to film. And so, you know, 50 is definitely providing a platform for, you know, you know, for actors to shine on. Right. So um, any word yet, have they released any word of stars yet about uh, both Method Man and Mary J. Blige? We've seen photos of them in Power Book 2. Do we have any idea of the connection that they have to these characters or who they'll be playing? No, but I think, you know, I think book two will come out in the summer and we'll get more as we get closer to it. It's better, it's better not knowing because then, you know, there's the suspense, you know, it can let it, it can build up towards when it shows. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right, Wilson. So we got about a minute left, man. Anything else coming out, man, you know, with, with the Oscars now being over and, you know, we're starting a new year in film. Is there anything that you're really looking forward to? Anything coming out, man, in the next month or so? that uh, you want to talk about now? Well, you know, we're in the middle of Black History Month, so we're getting a lot of stories, documentaries, and, st- and so forth, and stories being presented this month. Uh, now that the Oscars over, the clock has reset, we're starting to see films, and hopefully any of these good movies that, played out of, that came out of Sundance gets played in the fall, so that way they can be talked about. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the next big film I think we're going to see is the James Bond film, which comes out in April. But in between that, we're going to get a no- couple of new shows. You know, Ava DuVernay's got a new series, Church Today, you know, and uh, you're getting these new series popping up on TV. BT's going to present Lena Waite's new series, 20s, and you're going to have the return of Boomerang. And, you know, and then today I think on the Hulu you have High Fidelity, starring Zoe Kravitz in the John Cusick world from the film version. Um, so you're, you're getting a lot of new shows appearing on TV and the streaming platforms. You're getting a bunch of films, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be a film like The Farewell from last year that's going to strike a chord with our audiences and will build up over time. All right, Wilson. So before we let you go, man, tell people where they can follow you to read your content, man. You can find me over at blackson.com, which is the same word to use for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, Wilson, as always, man, it's a pleasure, brother. We will be in touch with you, man. All right, we'll talk later. All right, you take care. And, of course, that is Wilson Morales, who joins us at the top of each show to let us know what's going on in entertainment. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back on the other side, it is going to be time for us to sit down with the founder of the National Black Movie Day, Miss Agnes Moss. You guys keep it where you got it. You're listening to The Big Show, keeping it real with Film Gordon, and we'll be right back. film gordon joining us in this segment of course is none other than charles kirkland and before we introduce our special guests also remember coming up a little later on in the show 
The Photograph is in theaters this weekend. You want to stick around? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com for that review that's why i hit you with that voice you want to hit her, you want to sit around for that review so now in, in studio with us is the founder of national black movie day which is happening right now all day today and it is none other than miss agnes moss agnes welcome to the show thank you for having me i'm so happy to be here Oh, my God. So, Agnes, first, I just want to read this because it basically said this is from your site. Uh, African-Americans have a rich history in the film industry dating as far back as 1916. Race, i.e., black films, have shaped American culture. African-American directors, actresses, writers, and producers of color have painted our world with their unique storytelling abilities and influence. Today, on National Black Movie Day, we salute black filmmakers who continue to inspire and encourage the global community. Um, it kind of goes without saying that this has been my career. I'm glad to see you show up, and I'm glad to see other people affirming what we've been talking about for years. Talk to Absolutely. us about your genesis of why you came up with the concept and the idea of National Black Movie Day. Well, that is my statement, and mm -hmm. I stand behind it, and here's why. We have over 100 years mm -hmm. of African-American excellence in the film industry. Mm -hmm. And whether or not others accept that, whether or not they recognize that, it's a fact. Now, of course, initially, we were not the target audience, right? But since then, black films have evolved, and we have proven our excellence. So the reason for National Black Movie Day is it was created back when Oscars, hashtag Oscars so white became a common sentiment in our community because there was a lack of representation in terms of African Americans, uh, directors and films winning awards in 2015. So since then I wanted to come, for us to come together in a show of solidarity and say hey, these are our, film, our films, these are our stories whether or not you appreciate them, we do. There you have National Black Movie Day 2020. Wow, very nice. All right, so, you know, this is, this is an interesting interview to do because I, like, know so much about all of this, so it's like, I don't know, how do we, I mean, it, it sounds like we're regurgitating all the stuff that we talk about here all the time anyway. Right. Uh, you know, in our last segment, we covered, um, we were talking about, uh, since this love weekend, that we were spotlighting the 10 uh best love couples or love stories that have been put on film. So a lot of what we talked about there and, and much of the motivation of that is basically the same motivation that you're using for National Black Movie Absolutely. Day. That people are coming together to understand that you know, the, the, the mainstream media now sometimes still sees films with people of color as kind of a niche market. And when we're not a niche market, if you're talking about a century of excellence, and, right. you know, you talk about 1916, of course, um, you know, D.W. Griffin dropped Birth of a Nation in 1914. So you had people like Lincoln and Johnson Noble, yes. who basically, oh, I'm sorry, Lincoln, Lincoln and Noble Johnson, I'm sorry, were, you know, kind of were doing their clapbacks. Michelle comes along a couple of years after them, and hence, there you are. 
Um, so when you're looking at black film, what is it for you that kind of moves you when you look at black film and you look at these images and then you try to kind of juxtaposition or compare that to where we are today? What is it that motivates you when you're looking at black film? Absolutely. So I am motivated by seeing myself, seeing mm -hmm. my story, seeing stories that I can relate to, that speak to me. You know, our films inspire they change lives, they change your perspective, they provide information. So when I look at films, I want to see myself. And I think that, you know, that's a fair ask. So if as a black movie consumer, if I am supporting films, and that's another mission for National Black Movie Day, is to help us to understand that the more we support these films, the more we can get that green light from C-suite executives. So if I, as a black movie consumer, I want to see more of myself. I want to see more of me and my stories and stories that I can relate to on, TV, on, on the big screen and the small screen, actually. Charles? So uh, my question to you is, I mean, uh, this is a great initiative, Black National Black Movie Day, and, a lot, and I know you have a rationale for starting it, but for a general consumer like myself, well, I'm not a general consumer because I'm, I'm a film critic, how can I be involved in National Black Movie Day? What makes this a special day for the general public? Absolutely. So National Black Movie Day um, is twofold. The first is, the first goal is to create an awareness campaign for the community. But the second goal is to acknowledge the black movie consumer because we are, so a black movie, a, a black movie consumer appreciation day because we are the one investing those dollars in the film. When you go back and you look at Black Panther, grossed over, what, a billion, three, $1.3 billion? Yeah. We want to see those funds reinvested back in our community. You know, why not have scholarships? And I'm sure they gave, I've, I've heard that they've given out some money mm -hmm. to students, but it, we could use a little bit more. So as a black movie consumer, why not um, ask, hey, I'm investing these dollars in your, in your business. Give back to us. Let's strengthen our community. Let's invest in filmmakers so that we will continue to invest dollars. Here's something else. Uh, Nielsen says that African Americans have a collective spending power of $1.3 trillion. Mm. The film industry has an annual revenue of $11 billion. But there's no data to show the correlation between the two. What I do know is we are large consumers of entertainment. Yes. All right. Well, let me play devil's advocate because I, mm -hmm. I understand everything you just said. A couple of questions. Sure. One, when uh, Avengers Endgame came out and made almost $3 billion, mm -hmm. there was never a cry from that community that, like, you know, we went and saw this movie, y'all need to reinvest funds back into our community. Because this, this is a conversation we've been having for a couple of decades. And, like, I'm, I understand it, but I also understand how the motion picture industry works. So, because, you know, we don't, we don't hear people, or like the Greek community, when the big fat Greek wedding came out and they made it with, like, $3 million and then it grossed, like, $200 million. There were no, no, no there were Greek Americans going like, "What's up? We gonna get some, we gonna get some of that money back in our community." So, so why? And I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying I'm still on the fence. Why? What? What ways do you think that a studio or something, someone as vast as Disney, with all these shareholders and they're making ten, eleven billion dollars last year with all these films? How do we? How do we as a community? kind of come to them to ask for what you just discussed about 
having some of that money be reappropriated back into the community. So let me ask you this. Can we agree that we are an underserved community? I would I would agree I would agree that the way we're perceived we're an under, underserved community. I would agree with you on that. Yes. Okay. So, as an underserved community with the lack of with employment being low, right? Okay. With employment being low and with the film industry making money off of the black movie consumer, right? And there's a lack of representation in that industry. Why not extend to the community that you're profiting off of an opportunity to advance in that industry, whether it's a pipeline for, you know, film to be a film a filmmaker. Yeah, filmmakers, or are you or, talking about, like, um, um, mentoring yes. and bringing in young executives? No, no, and, and, that, and I think that's... And I'm not saying invest financially, yeah. but right. there, are, there are many ways you can invest. Send a student to school. Correct. Why not just... So I'm not saying put money, you know, build a business, but what I'm saying is right. create a pipeline where we can have representation in this billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar industry. Right. No, and I agree with you. And I think, I think that has been the model. I mean, we look around now. You'll see uh, young creatives like Issa Rae. You'll mm-hmm. see uh, young creatives like Charles King. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people now that, that I think the initiative over the last 20, 25 years is that we need it. We need more people behind the scenes. We yes. need more people in the executive Absolutely. suites of Hollywood. Um, it's what I've worked on. It's what you're working on now. It's others that I know and respect that have been working on. Um, but I also wanted to say, listening to you talk about the genesis of, of what you did and how you started this movement, it reminded me when I was young, and when I say I was young, I was younger. And I was sitting, believe it or not, at the D.C. Convention Center, the old one. And I was, I was working as a tent. And this had to be in 1991, 1990. And I remember having an epiphany that at that time, I thought that there weren't enough images of us on screen. And I had been watching award shows and seeing how black films constantly were passed over. And I said, man, somebody has got to start something that speaks to, that, that's kind of the liaison between what Hollywood is doing and our community. Absolutely. And I set up and came up with an idea to do a newsletter, which shows you how old I am, a <laughs> newsletter, which became the Renaissance Review, which launched my career as a film critic, and now I'm watching you, and I'm like, listening to you talk and go, man, I've been there. I was there. <laughs> but wait, I do newsletters too now, so. <laughs> wait, wait, newsletters still happen in 2020? Now? They're just electronic, but wow, wow, okay. you're dating me. You heard me. I was like, whoa. I was going to say, e-letter. E- but, but, but I say that to say that it was funny because when I, you and I talked and I was like, I want you to come and do the show, I was thinking, I was like, this would be the next generation of people who are yes. coming along uh, who are still pushing the narrative. Um, you talked about how we're underrepresented as a community. Um, I started a, an award show. I, I had another epiphany one day. I was like, man, we need to find... I'm tired of people talking about the Oscars and the Golden Globes. And earlier this week, I, um, I was over at, at American University as a part of a program, two-time Oscar winner Russell Williams does, called The Executive Suite. And I'm sitting in there. It's me, Arch Campbell, Ann Hornaday, and um, Shereen Nicole, who's on our show. And they had April Rain who created the hashtag Oscar So White. So she was in the next segment, and I talked to her. And we were t- and I was telling her before she went on, I said, you know, this whole thing with the Oscars, I feel some kind of way because we have 
shows like the Image Awards, the Black Reel Awards, ABFF Honors, and other shows, um, even what AFCA is doing with Gil Robertson, right. that salute black excellence every year. But everybody is so hell-bent on what the Oscar represents and what the Oscar means. And then from yes. year to year, it's like sometimes we in style, sometimes we ain't in style. <laughs> I so, agree. So that's my issue as it relates to that. How do you feel about... This kind of like like we you know Tyler Perry talked about you know at some point you got to build your own build table. Build your own table. So we built and our own table. And that's where I am. That's right. where I am. And I went to an HBCU. Mm-hmm. I've always had a strong love for film. I went to an HBCU, North Carolina Central University. Right. Don't regret it. Never felt like my education was less competitive than someone that went to an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. If some film resources would have been there, mm-hmm. who knows yeah. where I would yeah. where I would be in film. Right. I mean, I don't even know. But all I'm saying is, can we get some help, some partnerships to invest in our community? And when I say that, like I said, it's not just businesses. They can invest in building a film program at a school because students at HBCUs don't have the access and resources to Hollywood that a USC has. Right. So I think that's a fair I think that's a fair ask. All right. Well, before we let you get out of here, how can people uh, be a part, as Charles asked you earlier, how can people contact you to be a part of future National Black Movie Days? Visit our website, blackmovieday.com. Fill out the info uh, section, and that will come to our team, and we will get back with you. All right. Also, you can follow the join the social conversation on Facebook and Instagram at National Black Movie Day and on Twitter at Black Movie Day. All right, you had a pause in there. I was like, I didn't want to cut you. I was like, oh, oh there's more. Okay. Uh, Agnes Moss, it has been a pleasure. We look Likewise. forward to seeing you. You don't have to wait the National Black Movie Day to come through. You know where I we will, are. I will be here. I will All be right. here. All thank right. you. And you've been an inspiration to me. I've been following you for some time. So thank you for all that you've done. Well, thank, thank you, you for that. For thank the you. Film industry. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, I'm not crying. My eyes are just sweating. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a break and come back on the other side with more of the big show. You keep it where you got it. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kevin Wilmot, director of CSA, Confederate States of America, and Destination, Planet Negro. And you listen to The Big Show, Keeping It Real with Film Gordon on Film Gordon Radio. show man i'm feeling full of love man so uh special thanks one more time to the founder of national black movie day lady agnes moss i just want to say this before the before we go any further i know how you introduced me in the in the last segment you you just said my name and then just ran over me didn't give me a chance to say anything Uh, is there is there a reason why that occurred yeah. <laughs> people people at home watching the show, they saw the reason why. <laughs> All right, never we, mind. We, we love you too, Charles. <laughs> Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. 
online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> All right. So coming up in our next segment, man, reviews of the photograph. We're going to talk about who killed Malcolm X and other films opening this week. Uh, but in this next segment, uh, our show correspondent, Wilson Morales, who you heard earlier in the show from blackfilm.com, had an opportunity to sit down with the stars of the upcoming romantic drama, uh, The Photograph, uh, Miss Issa Rae and Lakeith Stansfield. Uh, he had a, a, a short yet impactful conversation with both these Black Real Award nominees, and here's that conversation. The two of you are starring in this illustrious romantic film. Obviously, people always say they haven't seen this, a good romantic film since they mentioned their favorite film. But, you know, we watch a lot of movies. We watch TV shows. So, going into this, what did you want to do with this movie that you had not seen recently? I think I wanted to be a part of a portrait that was, um, uh, that existed in the world of calm and the world without some of the worries that seem to accompany a lot of black skin on cinema. Uh, I wanted to live in a neutral world. I, I mean, I wanted to have a shot at love in a neutral way and that didn't, that didn't have to be influenced by trauma. And so I think this was an opportunity to live in that space and come from that space. And, you know, I know uh, us calling on our ancestors and stuff evokes certain images, but sometimes our an- ancestors were just people that were in love like us, you know, and oftentimes I think there's more uh, that that's less looked at and it's more just always the, the, the negative stuff. And so, yeah, I wanted to have an opportunity to breathe and to love. You know, you, know, you take on a role, and I like to ask everybody, when they take on a role, they see themselves in a character. What part of each the characters you're playing do you see yourself in? For May specifically, her inability to be, to be vulnerable because of what she had experienced in her past and the relationship with her mother, um, it's something that I identify with. I think there's sometimes is... I, I, I viewed it in the past mistakenly so that it is weak to be vulnerable. I think it's always expected of women to to be that way. And for me, I, I tend to be more guarded and it's something that I'm, I'm working on. Uh, and so I for sure identified with her and her need to overcome that. Yeah. yourself what part of your, your, your mic is you yeah uh well michael's ambition his ambition to want to see through what he set out to do and uh i definitely feel that and i also feel his like love at first sight type <laughs> <laughs> you know because i'm very like i'm just gonna tell you like yo i love you i don't care like i'm not to have experience anything i just i love your soul okay. and he sort of has that and in his dna so i, I felt that and also his um, sort of longing for the beauty of things and like wanting to see the beauty of things and interested in the lives of people and stories and like obviously I am that's why I'm playing characters like my love for humanity um, I think I kind of feel with him 
a lot of times when you see these romantic films, you, you watch as love is challenged by life goals. And there's a little bit of that in this movie. So the question goes, can love outweigh it or does it need to? I think passion is passion. And I think if you can find a way to to work with the passion that you have for your work and to find a partner who respects that and works kind of in conjunction with that, I think that's the ideal scenario. Um, I think that's what so many people strive for and that's the beautiful marriage to be able to, to, to do what you love and do who you love, you know, at the same time. All right, and one more time, I want to thank Itza Ray and Lakeith Stanfield and Wilson Morales for that short yet impactful conversation <laughs> i'm only saying that because that's a lot shorter than what we normally do so uh, just shout out to wilson and uh, as always i tell his brother every week he does an amazing job amen all right so now since it is love day i was sitting around thinking earlier this week and i usually think alone i don't usually let charles in on the thought and you know like it's like Half baked until I bake it fully. I'm and glad then you, I call I'm glad you, you tell up. everybody that now. That's true. <laughs> I mean, but, but you remember, well, never mind. They can look me up and figure out what I've done. I used to produce radio once upon a time, not counting this radio, but other radio. Right. And so I'm always creatively thinking about things that we can tie into. And since this is Love Weekend, I thought it would be wonderful to look at some of the love stories that have been on film over the course of the first 100 years of, of motion pictures, over 100 years now. Mm. And Charles, as I shared with you earlier, much to my chagrin, there has been a lack of what I call true black love stories. And what I mean by that is not films that show a man and a woman together who might be having, as, as to, to borrow a phrase from A Tribe Called Quest, having hot sex or... You know, <laughs> stories of people getting together and they end up together in the film. I'm talking about stories where the love story between a couple is kind of central to the story. Um, good example, when I was doing the research, Coming to America came up because, you know, Eddie Murphy is in pursuit, you know, his character is in pursuit of Sharon Headley's character. Right. And when I, when I thought about it, to me, the love story is kind of not even the secondary. It's almost like maybe the third or fourth thing that happens in the film because it's really a film that's kind of a, a road story, you know, this bonding story between Murphy and Arsenio Hall and how they're both going through New York looking. Looking for her. So what, and, and you'll see the, the, the films we're going to cover because I think you, you, you made raise a good point. Talk about some of the ones because, you know, you, I haven't unveiled the list of ones we're going to discuss. But there were some that were outside of the realm, and you kept coming to me. And so go ahead, there, and we can, there are we can few do this things, for the audience. I, I mentioned a movie called Breaking All the Rules, or Two Can Play That Game. Or oh, things. So wait a minute, so let's so stop with Breaking All the Rules. So that was Jamie Foxx and Gabrielle, Gabrielle Union. Union. All right. Yeah. So good example. So what I'm saying here is that that was a film about a guy, if, I, if I'm recalling this correctly, whose best friend was Mars Chestnut in the film. Am I correct? correct. And basically, it was this situation where he was, you know, he was writing a book about breaking all the rules and about love. And Mars Chestnut was interested in Gabrielle Union, but Gabrielle Union fell for him. Right. Right. So that that story is kind of, again, I think it does qualify as a love story. 
it wouldn't be in the top 10 of what I'm discussing now. And I even brought it to you when you saw the list. What did you say? Well, I, I say it's not going to break into the top 10 of this, okay. of this list. But I'm also saying that black love looks different than it used to back when Claudette was, I mean, Claudine was made, you right. know. And so we got stories like that and about last night, the remake where with uh, Michael Ely and uh, Kevin yep, Hart, and all, yep. it, which give us a different look of what, of what love means. Love means even, nowadays. Even a film like uh, the the Steve Harvey book, uh, Think Like a Man. Think Like a Man, yeah. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, love, I mean, those are films about love stories, but what I wanted to focus on, and as you, as we will unveil and talk about the films that I selected on my list, I wanted to concentrate on stories that were like love stories, and all of them aren't just like this mushy, kind of cinematic Hollywood love. Some of this stuff is kind of hard, as right. you'll see in some right. of these films. So without further ado, man, let, let us go and hit it. Um, the first film that I wanted to discuss on uh, in this love section was a film from 1943. <laughs> I went back because I was going through. I started at the beginning as I was processing this, and I was thinking in the Michelle films, no body and soul, no love there, hallelujahs. From 1929 is not really a love story. There was really nothing in the 30s I thought that worked. So when I got to the 40s is where I stopped here. And Cabin in the Sky, for those who have not seen it, tells the story of a compulsive gambler yeah. named Lil Joe Jackson, played by Eddie Rochester Anderson, <laughs> who dies in a drunken fight, awakens in purgatory, and he learns that he'll be sent back to Earth for six months to prove that he deserves to be in heaven. He awakens remembering nothing and struggles to do right by his devout wife, or should I add, his devout God-fearing wife, Petunia, <laughs> played by Ethel Waters, while an angel known as the General and the devil's son, Lucifer Jr., fight for his soul. It seemed like happiness is just a thing called Joe. He got a smile that made the lilac wanna grow he got a way that make the angels heave a sigh when they know little joe's passing by sometime the cabin gloomy and the table Christmas everywhere. Trouble fly away and life is easy go. Does he love me good? That's all I ask to know. Now, you say... Why is this movie on the list, Charles? Ask me. Why is this? Uh, and I was going to ask you because you, you <laughs> talked about how, <laughs> right. you know, you got love romance as the central. I mean, this right, right, is okay, like so, And the central, the reason why this movie is in there is like I want you to go back and not think with your 2020 eyes, but think, or your mind, but think with your 1940s eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're in Jim Crow. We don't have all the opportunities of today. The there is no, I mean, Oscar Michaud, Tyler Perry would be the Oscar Michaud of that time, but he's essentially making race movies. Right. The other thing to remember during this time is that, you know, where now we can sit up and talk about movies like The Photograph and Black Panther and, oh, my, Moonlight One. And this, 
We had <laughs> there was none of that in 1943. You had Cabin in the Sky and Stormy Weather in 43. Before that, you had a bunch of race movies like The Bronze Buckaroo. So we were not everywhere like right. we are now. Right. Right. So now you have this story at its core that is of this man who's a gambler, but his wife loves her husband and is trying to do what she can to preserve his, not just their love, but his soul. His soul. His, yeah, soul, yeah, his, yeah. his afterlife soul, right? There's a war going on for his soul, as you heard, between the general and Lucifer Jr., the devil's son. And at the heart of this, what, Lu- what, the, what Lucifer Jr. uses is this character played by Lena, Lena Horne to yeah. try to take him <laughs> off of his path, and his wife has to get him back to his senses. So, yes, it is a, it's an unconventional love story. It's a big-budget musical uh, directed, I think, by Vincent Minnelli, who is Liza Minnelli's daddy and Judy Garland's Husband, uh, husband. Yeah. So I'm, I'm telling you, I think I'm saying that because I get the two movies confused all the time: Stormy Weather and uh, and Cabin, Cabin in the Sky. Sky. <laughs> but Cabin in the Sky is a big budget sort of love story, not a love story like you're talking about breaking all the rules or some of those. But this story, the love is is kind of front and center because right. that's right. a part of the story. It's not just. Kind of as we would talk about, you know, if folks folks who are believers or go to church, you understand eros love and agape. It's the sort of love that's not just the love of him, like I love him, but it's like I love him and I want to protect him and make sure for, for that he's only not good for, here, yeah. but for eternity. Right. Bingo. Does that answer the question on why it's yeah, on the list? Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> I'm not sure oh, I like child. it. I'm not sure I like it, but it does. <laughs> it, it does. All right, cool. I think we got time for one more in this segment, man. And the next one, so I want to hear you push back on this one. I can't. From 1954. This is, this is the classic film, <sighs> Carmen Jones. I would say that this love story about a woman, and, and I was sharing this at home, that it's the classic story of a woman who wants a man who doesn't want her, and the moment he wants her, yeah, I ain't got no interest in you. <laughs> Literally, Dorothy Dandridge. Uh, we, you know, we're going to play a clip of this a little later on, man, where you see uh, her singing, That's Love. That's you know, love. When, uh, you know and, and I'm not even going to mess it up. But, but Dorothy Dandridge and Harry Belafonte, I, I, I swear to you, have to be two of the most attractive lovers <laughs> on screen in any film black white hispanic asian ever put on film ever dorothy dandridge at this point which she would be nominated for best actress is absolutely gorgeous harry belafonte is a vision (laughs) both these characters in this film along with a young diane carroll a young pearl bailey um it's it's an extraordinary film based on a uh, an amazing musical uh, it's the tale of a cigarette maker, Carmen, and the Spanish cavalry soldier, Don Jose, translated into a modern-day story of a parachute factory worker and a stalwart GI named Joe, right? How, how who is about Joe to go again? to fly school. <laughs> Joe is a common name. I'm sorry, go ahead. Big time in these movies. Conflict arises when a prize ring champion captures the heart of Carmen after she has seduced Joe and caused him to go AWOL. Carmen remains a flamboyant flirt. And ends up being strangled to death by Joe. <laughs> Love's a baby that grows up wild, and he don't do what you want him to. Love ain't nobody's angel child, and he won't pay any mind to you. One man gives. 
kiss me his diamond stud and I won't give him a cigarette. One man treats me like I was mud. And all I got that man can get. Taboo. But if you're hard to get a go for you, and if I do, then you are through, boy. My baby, that's the end of you. So take your cue, boy. Don't say I didn't tell you true. I told you truly, if I love you. That's the end of you. Hey, man, this movie is something special, man. And if you had to watch a movie at home mm. during Love Weekend, Stand up and fight until <laughs> you I love Carmen this is Jones. It's a great man. movie. It's a great, great movie, movie, man. Great movie. It really is. Uh, not on his list is Porgy and Bess. That's another inside joke. You'd have to be <laughs> Porgy and Bess. No, no, it's not a. D. Reese announced this week that she's woman. making, she's remaking Porgy and Bess. <laughs> Who is? D. Reese. Why? They sent me, you know, oh, somebody God. on our team sent me the email that showed, and, I, and my first question was, why? <sighs> we, we, she's got to update it. She can't be just doing it. Hey. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Updated how? I don't know. Watch this. Prostitute, guy with a disability. I don't see it. I I don't know. Watch this. I don't know. A pimp, uh, sporting life. I, 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 D-Rees. We had Superfly. We had Superfly. Yeah, we did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Carmen Jones is the second movie on my list, and, you know, I'm going to pause here, and the rest of this will be on overtime. We will have eight more of these performances for you. So, if you listen to the show uh, and you go through the DC radio app, there's this thing that we do called overtime where it's this show, but it's more of this show on the other side, and we will be doing that with eight more of these couples. But right now, remember, from 1943, it is a cabin in the sky. From 1954, it is the classic Carmen Jones. So we're going to take a break right now and come back with more of the big show, Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Reviews, reviews, reviews. We'll be right back. Welcome back 
to the big show. This week's reviews are brought to you by thefilmgordon.com. Experience film through the eyes of a true film addict. Check out all of our film content at thefilmgordon.com. This week, there are several movies that we are going to review. But as always, before we begin, cue the music. First up this week is the Netflix uh, series, limited series, Who Killed Malcolm X? Now, in 1965, in February of 65, Malcolm X is murdered. Three men are arrested, but only one admits to being part of the plot. Now, one activist pledges to find the real killers and vows to learn the truth about what officials knew regarding the crime. And here is a clip from Who Killed Malcolm X on Netflix. Malcolm's death never sat right with me. The investigation was a failure. Asking who's guilty is a dangerous question to ask. What is the real story? It's in the history book. Leave it there. Leave it alone. Elijah Muhammad told everybody, do not raise a hand against Malcolm X. He didn't have to give the order. Someone would take care of The FBI should have known. Why doesn't someone want to get to the bottom of this? They never had any intentions of seriously investigating that assassination. That is my mission. I'm not going to stop until I get justice. Because the official count of who killed Malcolm X, it's not true. All righty. Um, as a guy who has loved equally both Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X equally, um, I, of course... No, knew a lot about Malcolm X. You know, of course, the Spike Lee film, having read uh, uh, Alex Haley's autobiography as a teenager. So I was really very eager to to watch this Netflix, this Netflix limited series. And it's a six-part series. And boy, was I surprised with all the amount of information. So let's just start by saying that there is a... Uh, bus operator who works here locally at the Arlington Cemetery who also wanted to know, you know, the, the story of Malcolm X, and it kind of intrigued him. And he goes on an investigation. Now, mind you, he's not a professional investigator. He's not law enforcement. He's just a regular, everyday citizen who wanted to know the answers to something. And inside of this documentary, you quickly discover that not only does he line up an oppressive array of guests that he can talk to about this, <clears throat> excuse me, talk to about this, but he also manages to infiltrate inside of the neighborhoods of Newark, New Jersey, where we now know that the five killers of Malcolm X all were members of Moss 25, which was headed by a man who spent time and was really close to, to the honorable doctor, I mean, the honorable Elijah Muhammad while they were on lockdown. And you see the seeds of discontent after Malcolm X kind of makes public the charges against the honorable Elijah Muhammad about birthing some, some babies out of wedlock. And hence you have the story. But what's fascinating about it is not only does he understand and show us that, but he also shows us 
that he finds out who these individuals are through interviews. He talks to local folks in Newark, New Jersey, who we kind of now know that it was common knowledge of this community within this community of people of who the, who committed this crime and actually finds out the guy who fired the kill shot. <laughs> and before he can get to the guy, tragedy strikes. So let's just say this to me is one of the best documentaries from a point of view from someone who is trying to accomplish a thing. It's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It is so well done by a guy that's not, again, I repeat, a professional investigator who unearthed all this stuff. I urge you to watch Who Killed Malcolm X. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm giving this documentary an A. I thought it was that good. It, it is absolutely fantastic. Worth your time. All right. Our next film this week is really the big one. And, of course, that film, we've been talking about it all show. It's all love weekend that has been released. It is The Photograph. And, of course, this film stars Issa Rae. It stars Lakeith Stansfield. It features Lil Rel Howery. Um, it is just an engrossing film. It also features a great performance by a friend of our show, Mr. Rob Morgan. And the story is basically uh, kind of starts when a famed photographer, Christina Ames, dies unexpectedly. She leaves her estranged daughter, May, hurt, angry, and full of questions. May, by the way, is played by Issa Rae. Uh, when May finds a photograph tucked away in a safe deposit box, she soon finds herself delving into her mother's early life, an investigation that leads to an unexpected romance with a rising journalist. See the theme of the day's films? Regular people investigating things to find something out. Um, here is a clip from the photograph. Y'all came in that storm? That storm is crazy. Look, what, what'd y'all do when the power went out today? She did the little sip and smile thing, like... Mm. Leave her alone. <laughs> no, look, we husband. all grown. Look, if y'all did it, y'all did it. It Stop. ain't a big thing. People do it all the time. Man. This is the best do-it weather. <laughs> all right, so this film finds the star, ironically, the two leading actors in this film in this romantic drama are come from hugely successful comedy series. Issa Rae from Insecure, Lakeith Stansfield from Atlanta. Uh, Stansfield, who has been doing a steady uh, pro pro projection, I would say, since his character in, in uh, Atlanta. We've seen him in Sorry to Bother You. I've seen him in a, in a small indie role in Crown Heights. But here he steps up as a leading man. And I think the one thing that I will say about the both of them together is that their chemistry is through the roof. Um, the two of them connect. He's a he's a reporter uh, researching the story. She, as we said earlier, is uh, an executive who is looking into her mother's uh, her, her unexpected mother's death, and the two of them connect early and often, and reminiscent, ironically enough, of Love Jones. The two of them sort of connect and find out that they have chemistry for one another. But then there's some issues. You know, he is not necessarily looking to commit. Um, he is applying for jobs outside of, of the, the country. She is someone who is, has kind of been in and out of relationships. 
but really doesn't have anybody serious. And as they begin their journey, with all the twists and turns that come with her backstory with her family, him investigating the man who ends up being her father in the film, it is an amazing story. I would also be remiss if I did not mention Lil Rel Howery, who Jordan Peele used to great comic effect in Get Out and, and director Stella, and I think her name is pronounced Meghi, M-E-G-H-I-E. She uses Lil Rel Howery similarly in this film, and he's fantastic. Uh, he helps move the story along. Tiana Paris plays his wife. They tease uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character uh, endlessly because he's a guy who always meets women and quickly falls in love. And he does so again in this movie. And Lil Rel Howery's like, come on, bruh. Just met her, man. Come on, bro. So very, very funny stuff. I thought the chemistry, you know, of, of the two, as I said, is very, very good. I thought that there were some lulls in the middle of the film. But other than that, I think it's a movie that if, if we're talking about Love Weekend and you're going to watch, you can watch it over and over. And I think this film will ultimately be a classic like a Brown Sugar, like a Love and Basketball, like a Love, I mean, Love Jones. This is a really well-done, old-school love story. And again, I repeat, we need more films like this. Um, so I would give this film a B+. Plus. I really dug this film a whole lot. The photograph, very solid work. Welcome to the party, leading party, Issa Rae and Lakeith Stansfield. Wow, because if you'd have told me that six months ago, I'd have been like, come on, man. Them two comedic actors? But they both got chops, and they're really, really good. All right, so that's all I got for you guys today. And on behalf of our super producer who hid for the majority of the show behind the big shade, it is Sugar Shane Lewis. And I'm going to stop calling Charles the most selfish man in radio because Charles gives of his time, gives of everything. This started because there was one day that he had some food he didn't give me, so I was teasing him every since. But it's a new year, a new time. Chuck, I'm sorry. You are no longer the most selfish man in radio. Uh, you now become Pastor Chuck Kirkland, and you got to understand that if you knew who Charles was. So as I tell you guys every week, Oh, I forgot. I, I was looking at video. I, I talk with my hands a lot. I saw that in last week's show. <laughs> if, if you want, <laughs> please see something good at the movies this weekend. I'm Tim Gordon, and until next week, we out. <laughs>Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.